Hi, this is Lori, your host of Happiness Hangout, a space to come and elevate your happiness levels. You, me, and our guests will discuss and help you apply happiness to all aspects of your life, even if you're already happy. Get your daily boost of information to help you feel your best. Well, hi, everyone. This is Lori Peters from the Happiness Hangout, and welcome back to the show. Uh, As you know, uh, this week we are going to be talking about one of my favorite subjects, which is happiness. And happiness is the base for you to have a wonderful relationship with someone else. So we're going to get back to basics a little bit and talk about that very subject. So today... Uh, I am bringing on a guest who has his own happiness podcast and loves to put that into the world just like I do. So we're hoping that today we're going to provide some great information for you, our listeners, on general happiness that you can apply to anything that's going on in your life, whether it's finding a great loving partner, just feeling better about yourself, uh, or anything else in life. So, I want to tell you about who we have with us today. We have Dr. Robert Puff, and he is an internationally recognized clinical psychologist, professional speaker to businesses and organizations, and he's the host of The Happiness Podcast. He's authored 13 books on a variety of topics, including relationships, anger management, holistic success, and happiness. He has regularly sought by the media for his expertise on a variety of healthy living issues and has been quoted in the media over a thousand times. The Happiness Podcast, which has been downloaded over four million times since its inception, focuses on ways for all of us to find happiness. For years, Dr. Puff has been a regular blogger for Psychology Today. You're going to learn more about how to hear his podcast, who he is, and how to find him and reach him. So we have with us Dr. Robert Puff. Dr. Puff, welcome to the Happiness Hangout. So glad to have you today. It's great to be here. Well, you know, we're going to talk about happiness, which again is my favorite topic as I'm a happiness contributor as well. And uh, and I think uh, and hope that our guests will get some great information and things that can help their lives go to another go to another level, which is what many of us are aspiring to do. So what I'd like to do is tell our guests a little bit, or our, our guests that are listening to the show, a little bit about our guest, which is you. So tell us a little bit about how you uh, got into the field of psychology, specifically around positive psychology and happiness. How did you break in and get in, and, and why did you pick this area of expertise? Yeah, at a very young age, I was very curious about life. You know, my parents would tell me that if I asked a question, as they were answering one, I'd have another one on the tip of my tongue ready to go. I had that aspect of, of to me. But the other thing I had that I've always been good at, or you know, whatever you want to call it, is I have a, a kind of an honesty truth factor. So I would hear people describe you know, how life was going for them, and I'd listen, and I'd say, huh, it, well, I see what you're saying, but is that working? And if it wasn't working, I just kept going. So I started off, you know, growing, I grew up in Iowa, you know, learned things there, you know, Midwestern kind of values. I thought, well, some things were good here, absolutely. Some things were, like, not so good. So then I went on, and I got two masters and a Ph.D. Um, so I went 14 straight years of university. 
and I got my PhD in clinical psychology and learned a lot there. And again, I, I met some of the top theorists in the, in the world, you know, explaining their theories on human understanding and positive psychology. And I, I learned things. There's some really good things. But I thought there were things like, you know, they're still awesome. There's some things that they're doing that their lives weren't working as well as I thought they could. So then I, then I kind of got into, well, maybe it's about you being successful. So I really studied the success world. And again, there are good things there, but obviously there are things that didn't work in that world. And then I, then I um, you know, worked more on just the more kind of, like you said, positive psychology itself, just more like being positive and stuff. Again, a lot of great things there, good things. And then I just kept going and you know, I started traveling all over the world and meeting the healthiest people I could find. It's people like, wow, your life is truly amazing. And then when I met these deep people, I, I saw some really common things. Things like, oh, this is what it takes not to say you're happy, but to actually be happy and be peaceful in life. And then um, and I found it worked. And they're not complicated. We'll be talking about them, of course, in the show today. It's just doing them. But once you do them, they work. And I, I deeply believe that any of us can have beautiful lives. It does take work. It takes effort. But if we put forth that work and that effort, the only thing that's going to keep us from it is us. I, I just deeply believe that, you know, we are all capable of having really astonishing lives. But like I said, it takes work. But if we put forth that work, it's just amazing what, how far we can go in life. You know, it sure is. And, and it's interesting as um, I try to read as much as I continue to read as much as I can, um, the new, latest, and greatest, and what's going on in, in happiness and positive psychology. And it's funny you said about working at it. Um, there were some articles out there, and I'm very interested in your reaction to this, about if you worked, and I know you don't mean work at it. You mean when we work at happiness, we're not actually like doing tedious work. I don't, I feel that we're doing things that fill us up and make us feel really good. You know, we have to figure out what makes us happy, obviously, because what makes me happy may not make you happy. And there were some articles written by some folks saying that people, some people are actually trying too hard to be, to be happy. They think it's like a job. And um, and I, I'd like to talk with you about the misunderstanding there. Um, I'd like to throw out and put out there an offer that well, when we say work to be happy, we're saying go with those things that resonate with you, that make you feel your best, that fulfill your passions. Do the things you need to do, and I'm sure you'll you'll mention some of the things that make people happy. But when somebody's trying to work hard in a way that's tedious. I don't think that's what we mean. Do you agree with that? Right. It's a lot like, think of a ballerina. You know, she starts off, and she's never done it before, or he, the one. You know, let's say they get into ballet. When they start off, I mean, they're clumsy. They have no idea how to do it. And then with time, they get, you know, competent in it. And then they get good at it. And then you go to a ballet, and you walk them out there, and they think there is no way they can think, be thinking about what the right foot here and the left foot here. It's spontaneous. And happiness is much like that. It becomes very spontaneous. But the beautiful thing about happiness, it actually isn't so much a skill we have to learn. I mean, we do have to learn things, but it's more unlearning things. What I mean by that is we're born. If you watch very young children, they are curious. They live in the present moment. They, life is like wonder. They feel their feelings, and then they live well. What a lot of life is about is unlearning bad habits we have in place. I like to use the analogy because I like visuals, is think of, think of ourselves when we're born as like a 5,000-gallon acrylic tank. And at one end, there's a tube coming in, and at one end, there's, there's a tube coming out. So a 5,000-gallon tank, tube in, tube out. Really simple. And what happens is 
is we're born crystal clear. I mean, we are just born so beautiful and crystal clear. But then gunk starts coming in. Negativity, we hear our parents fight, you know, we, we get teased, we start developing insecurities. Um, and, and so gunk starts coming in. We watch, you know, shows that aren't very good for our soul. And, um, and that starts creating gunk. And so it gets cloudy. So what happiness is about is saying, okay, and that gunk does go out, but we just keep adding more to it. So we tend to stay stuck in life. And if anything, it gets a little bit darker. But when we start learning these skills that we're going to talk about today, we start pouring in clear water, crystal clear water like we began with. And when you pour in that crystal clear water, you begin to clear it out. And with time, it starts getting clearer and clearer and clearer until you're like you were when you were born, but now with very good things in place. So happiness isn't something that some people are lucky to have and other people aren't. It is something that is worked at, but when it's worked out well, think about the ballerina. It's very spontaneous. It's something that we just do so well and we enjoy it's easy to do. Like, you know, there are many things in place that we can do to be happy. But again, I like analogies. Think of food. Let's say um, we are used to eating, um, you know, high fried food and, you know, food that's in candy and things that perhaps aren't that good for us. And that's what we eat all the time. So when we begin to change our habits, then, you know, I want to change that. I want to start eating well. Initially, that's going to be challenging. It's going to be work. But with time, what happens is habits are habits. Once we start cultivating good habits, I drink what's called green smoothies, you know, pretty much throughout the week. I eat other things, but that's my main thing of what I eat. Super healthy, organic uh, greens and vegetables with some food in it. It's very healthy. It's the healthiest thing I think you can find. That's where I drink them throughout the day. I am very used to them. For a lot of people, if they drank what I drink, they wouldn't like it at all. But with time, as you get healthier, you get used to that. It, again, using my aquarium example, if your aquarium is gunky, then you're going to be used to that. I remember once, I was um, in England, and I met these two girls, twins. They were they were traveling there, and they, they loved to do horror things. They were very nice girls, but they had gotten so kind of dark inside, they were very un- they could go to a horror film over and over again and not be, a- they thought it was funny. You take me to a horror film, I'm kind of like, whoa, that is it's kind of overwhelming. So I think what happens is, as we get healthier, as we develop these healthy um, skills, we get used to things. We get used to being more peaceful inside. We get used to being more healthy. But we're all being all day long affected by our environment, by our external environment, what do we watch, what conversations we have, who we hang out with, you know, um, where we work. And then we also, of course, greatly impacted by our thoughts. What are we thinking throughout the day? And those two things shape our interaction with the world. And what we developed is what's called a set point for happiness. You may have talked about in other shows, but there's been a lot of research showing that we tend to have a, what's it called a set point for happiness where if we win the lotto in three to six months, we're going to be back to the level of happiness we were at prior to winning the lotto. And if we break our back, same is true. In three to six months, we're going to be back to the same level of happiness we're at prior yep. to breaking our back. Because you get used so, to it. You get, you get yeah. totally used to it. It becomes well, your new norm. You're reinforcing this. A lot like food. You know, if someone is, um, say, you know, 300 pounds overweight, they have to keep doing things to maintain that weight. If someone is an athlete, like a triathlete, they have to keep doing things to maintain that. So you're right, you get used to it, but you're also doing things to maintain it. So what, when you learn the skills of happiness and you learn the skills of peace and living a good life, habits are habits. These are just habits that you have to learn. Now, here's the part that, why, the question would be, why aren't all people happy? It's easy to do. Why don't they just do it? Because it's called delayed gratification. Unfortunately, after, let's say you have a stressful day. I work with corporations and help corporations, you know, have better lives. And the, at the end of the day, 
you're exhausted. You're just tired. You can you have like a couple choices. You can come home and go to the gym, go for a walk, maybe meditate, take a long bath, and you're gonna feel better. It takes a little while. The gym could take you, you know, 20, 30 minutes to work out. You have to take that bath, it's in it. So it takes time. Or you can come home, have like two, three, four glasses of wine, a couple of martinis, and watch the news. They both will probably relax you. It's just one takes longer and one takes effort. What will happen though with time is you'll get very used to coming home and spending some time in nature, working out as a way to alleviate the stress. Our, we get very used to things, but what we have developed is habits. So those habits reinforce our happiness set, our set point for happiness. But when we change our habits, we will begin to change our internal level of happiness, our internal level of peace. And what we'll find is because we're reinforcing good stuff, now we're spending time in nature. Now we're hanging out with positive people. Now we're really walking our thoughts and having times of quiet and also having times when we are thinking that we're not stressed as much. We're just living in the present moment. That creates a beautiful life. It's work, but it does create a beautiful life. And with time, habits become habits. So that's where the effortless comes in. With time, like the ballerina, we just do it naturally. We're not even, we don't even think of coming home and spending hours watching TV because that would be something unhealthy for us. We would do things that would be far more healthy for us when we're out and about. When we're used to it. And you know what's interesting yeah. about this? When you say about unlearning, um, I haven't even really thought about it that way. We are constantly unlearning. And that's where the tough part can come in for some people is they hear these voices by things they were told, perhaps right. by themselves or most likely from other people who told them things or demonstrated things for them in a certain way that they continue to say those things to them, say those things to themselves like they're the real truth when they've never been the real truth. But when somebody you look up to tells you this is how it should be or this is how you are, that's what I want people to become conscious of. If you can actually take what's going on in your head. And, you know, I always talk about Eckhart Tolle and the power of now and, and, mm-hmm. and being able to say, forget what you've heard from the past, forget worrying about the future, stay in the present, which you, which you said a minute ago, stay in the present and realize that what you think of as the truth was just uh, words that were said. You determined that those were truths. Those weren't really truths. And that's where unlearning, and sometimes people little, need a little help with that, Dr. Puff. Don't you agree? Absolutely. Trying to unlearn Absolutely. some of those things? Yeah, well, what happens in our life is when we're about two and a half, three years old, maybe a little bit before, a little bit later, it depends on you know who you are. But what happens is two things happen. We have good things that happen, and we want more of them. We want to kind of hang on to them. And we have bad things happen, and we don't want those. We want to push them away. So our ego, our mind, starts creating, I'm going to keep the bad things away. I'm going to only have good things come in. The problem with that approach, the problem with that philosophy, which almost everyone does, is it gets stronger and stronger. You know, that's where, you know, people are, you know, very, um, I just want to be feel good all the time. The problem with that approach is life is impermanent. Life is on the constant state of flux. It's always changing. So you could have your soulmate that you're living with that you love so deeply, but then there's a cancer scare. Maybe they even die. You can be living in a beautiful home that overlooks the ocean, but then you get sued. Or maybe you go to jail. I mean, you can be truly at the peak of the world, win the lotto, but next year you're diagnosed with cancer and have three months to live. So life has what's called change. And whenever we try to hang on to something that is changing, it's like fighting gravity. Imagine gravity is one of the rules of the nature, rules of our world, of our universe. 
If you said, I don't believe in gravity, you'd be jumping off buildings and think you're fine, you're going to die. It's like that with mm-hmm. impermanence. When we fight impermanence, when we fight change and say, I want to hang on to things, we're going to absolutely lose. We're going to suffer because life changes. But instead, if we say, huh, life is change. There's nothing wrong with me deeply enjoying this moment, but I need to realize it may not be here tomorrow. So what happens is you become a very, what I call a super enjoyer, because now that you know that life is impermanent and life changes, you're so thankful for what you have for you, and then when it does change, you're not fighting it, you're not shocked by it, you may try to get things back, but when you can't, you say, okay, now what does life present me? So life becomes a beautiful banquet, where you're not trying to say, I have to have this, I have to have that. They even work towards things, I definitely believe in goals and working towards things, but when life says, that's not going to happen, you say, okay, then what are you giving me today? And what I've learned by studying people and traveling around the world, you could not present one story for me, everyone listening to this podcast right now, whatever your circumstances are, I can guarantee you whatever you're going through, maybe, you, again, you're in a hospital that's dying, maybe you're, you know, you're unemployed, maybe you're living in squalor, maybe you're addicted to something else. If you could not give me an example, if I could find someone on the, in the universe, in, on planet Earth that is going through the exact same thing you are, that is doing it well. There's always ability, no matter what situation we're in, prison, death, illness, where someone does it well. And given that that's a possibility, then that means it can happen. That's a rule of science. When one person can do it, that means it's a possibility. So then what you say is, okay, I get it. I'm suffering right now because maybe my mother's dying, or maybe I'm going through a divorce, whatever fill-in-the-blank is. There are people that go through that and do it well. What do they do to do it well? And a lot of what they do is they're not fighting like we suffer when we say, I can't get divorced. You know, I was raised you know, um, Catholic, and that is just wrong, and this is horrible, and my life's miserable now. You can do that, and you will suffer. You will be correct. Or you can say, boy, I didn't see that one coming, but I'm going to make this work. I'm going to take this thing and turn it into something beautiful. Now I have more free time. Now, now I don't have to deal with the arguments anymore. But once you begin to say, oh, I can adjust to anything, I mean, I prefer to adjust to certain things, but I can adjust to anything. Then what happens is when tragedy hits, when hard things hit, we um, adjust well. And the other thing we lose is we lose fear. Because when you know that you can adjust to anything, what are you afraid of? Shouldn't be afraid of anything, really. Exactly. Right, right, right. But that means you can't hang on to anything. And that's what's so hard about this. The hard part about this is you can can be as happy as you want. If you want to be truly kind of like fearless, you have to let go of every attachment, every one of them. It doesn't mean that your life may look the same to the day you die, but you're not hanging on to anything. You, it's more, what happens is actually, like called uh, earlier I referred to it, you become a super enjoyer, because now when you come home and your kids come up to greet you and maybe your spouse gives you a kiss, say, I'm so blessed to have this today. I don't know if I'll have it tomorrow, but I'm so blessed to have it today. And, and, you know, we know that. When we know someone that we deeply care about, and again, they maybe get diagnosed with cancer. We are all over them with our love, our praise, and we just enjoy them so much knowing that they're going to go. But if we realize anything in our life can be taken away, even our own health, then when we have good health, when we have good relationships, when we have a good job, we become so much more appreciative of that. When we assume it's always going to be there, we take it for granted, and then we don't live well in the now anymore. We stop living in the now. And we just think it's always going to be there. And life says, like gravity, 
nothing stays the same. There's nothing going to stay the same. It is going to change. At some point, you know, if you live long enough, you're going to see lots of people die. You're going to have health problems, and you're going to die. So given that, live well right now. And then life, living well right now, one day at a time, creates a beautiful life. And everything tends to work out. doesn't mean it's going to work out the way you want. But it's going to work out because you begin to adjust to anything. Because you don't need anything to have to be a certain way. You realize having something that has to be a certain way is actually what is causing you to suffer. When we stop saying things <laughs> yeah. have to be this way, then we don't suffer. Mm-hmm. That is true because if you think about it, sometimes it's harder. You can let the things go sometimes. It's the people. And you cannot control what other people are doing. We talk about this a lot. Um, yeah. You know, whether it's your children, especially when you think this is my child. Well, sure, it is your ch- child to raise, but that child is a being unto themselves. So people have all these issues about letting people do what they need to do. So the you're, what I hear you saying is the biggest thing to work on is how you deal with change. And you describe beautifully how to look at change and how to to actually do that on an everyday basis. I mean, that's really the, the, the highest level of it. If you, you know, when you think about self-development, Dr. Puff, I mean, that that's the end-all be-all because that's often the hardest thing for, that's the hardest thing for a person to do is actually make that change and realize change is always going to happen every day. We get used to things. We say we have a spouse, my spouse, my children, even my job, whatever it is. The job may go away, but we never think the spouse or the children are. So if you can unloosen that a bit, I'd love to talk about some ways to unloosen. And I hear you say about, you know, changing your mindset. Can you speak a little bit deeper? And I'd like to really go with this. Speak a little bit deeper to how to get your mind in the position to be open to change. Yes, and it, 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 there's a technique I like. There's many that I teach, but one of them I teach, it's not mine, but it's a beautiful technique. It's called negative visualization. And what it is is you spend not much, just five minutes a day. Maybe when you get up in the morning, you know, maybe a couple times throughout the day, you think about that which you're afraid of. Maybe the fear is, what if um, something happens to my parents or he dies someday? What if I get ill? What if I get that cancer scare? What if I lose my dad? Just fill in the blank. Think of that fear. Whatever that fear is, you say, okay, for five minutes, I'm actually going to imagine that happening. And then say, can I do that? And of course, if I'm correct and we can do anything, realize that, yeah, I mean, I may not definitely prefer that to happen, but I'm going to visualize that happening. So when we visualize it for five minutes and we let it go, it's not creating a reality. It's not creating what it's doing. It's allowing us not to be as afraid. So when we spend a little bit of time every day, the one thing I do, I have a whole podcast on it where I talk about visualize dying. I mean, it is absolutely something we're all going to face. And many people are very fearful of dying. But if you say, okay, I get it. I'm going to die someday. Why not visualize that? And then what happens is, again, it gets back to you begin to just appreciate things that you do have, knowing that they can be taken away. They may never be. You may outlive, you know, your spouse. You may even outlive your children. You may outlive all your friends. Or you may not. You may be the first one to go. We don't know. But what happens is it really loosens that fear because you can say, I definitely prefer that not to happen. But if it happens, as we know, all of us know that these things happen to people all the time. If you live long enough, you're going to know lots of people that have tragedies happen to them. But 
why some do so well with it and some don't do well with it. The ones that do well with it are able to say, that isn't what I wanted to have happen, but I'm going to adjust to that. I can adjust to anything. Those who suffer, I mean, it's like classic one is like divorce, you know, where one person gets divorced. And, you know, they literally, to the day they die, are miserable and angry and, and resentful at the spouse for whatever happened. The other person has moved on. They, they have reconciled. They're, they, they're not angry at the spouse anymore. And they have moved on and created a whole new life. Exact same situation. But one chose to hang on. The other told, told, chose to let go. So I think by sometimes, just a little bit of time, particularly the one thing you're fearful of, the things you're fearful of, and the, real, the way I'm not going to be fearful of this, but actually visualize it happening, that fear of mine, and say, what would I do if that happened? And what will happen is, even though at first it's going to be a little, a little overwhelming, but what happens is that fear then, which is probably throughout the, the day creating a lot of stress and anxiety now, it begins to not be there anymore because you're not afraid of it. I mean, you obviously don't want it to have happen, but before what you would have been doing or what we were doing is we think, oh, that can't happen. That can happen. I cannot handle that. I can't. So hearing all day long, that's scary. That's scary. That's scary. And fears get reinforced when you say, I'm not afraid of that. I could do that. I definitely don't want that to happen, but I could do that. I, I work um, with very successful people. And sometimes, like the CEO of like a Fortune 100 company, I'll say, you want to be free? Because a lot of times their issues are on money. I say, you want to be free? And I'll say, yeah, I want to be free. I say, imagine this. You know, they, they perhaps they live on the ocean, you know, in a, in a $20 million home. Imagine, I'll tell them this. Imagine, imagine this. You've lost everything. You've lost so much that your family is so poor. You have to move into a trailer park. And you only get one room in that trailer. And you can't even drive a car. You have to ride a bike or take the bus to get to work now. If you can imagine that happening and still see yourself with a smile on your face, you'll be free. Now, it's hard to do for them because they're very attached to their success. But they get it. They realize that if they can do that, so that... I mean, most likely will never happen, but then they're not fearful because what we've learned is, what I've learned, what you know, people that help people learned is, fear can be so crippling. I mean, in severe cases, in, in, you know, if you've heard of agoraphobia, that typically starts off as a very simple fear. You know, people are fearful of you know, driving on the freeways or being around a lot of crowds. And then they reach a point where they can't even leave their home because they're so afraid. And there are, I mean, I can't say this for sure, but almost every city major block in the United States has someone stuck at home for the rest of their life because of fears. So fears are very bad for us. But when we learn to conquer fears, when we learn to live what I call a fearless life, by not being attached, by saying, of course, I don't want these things to happen, but when they happen, when they happen, I'm going to handle them well. I'll share my own story because I shared it recently on my podcast. I think it was about four years ago. I was um, you know, working on some life insurance. I had to renew my life insurance policy. And they rejected me. I'm, I'm, I'm a very healthy individual. Oh, that's weird. Why would they reject me? So they sent me a number saying this is why they rejected me. I got on the Internet, and I looked up that number. And it said, you know, this was the first thing I read. But the first thing I read said, people with this number are dead in three months. And I thought, oh, okay. Well, I probably should make a medical appointment and find out what's going on here. Because I felt fine. <laughs> I wasn't afraid. I felt fine. So I made an appointment, and I had to wait, I had to wait a couple weeks to get in. And I didn't think about it all during a couple weeks. I just let it go because I, I felt fine. If I was going to die, I was going to die. You know, so, and then I, then I got in there, and they, they were very concerned. And I said, well, I really feel fine. I don't have any symptoms that go along with this number. Um, and so it was a long process. It took about a year. But finally, after a year, I took a really good test. 
just said, I'm fine. But it took years to get to that point. So, you know, because I had to reschedule. I didn't, anyway, it's all these different things. But during that time, I'd say 99.9999% of that time, I gave it no energy. It's not that I'm super brave. I just thought, is there, what I do is, I, the big thing we can do is, if there isn't anything to do about it right now, then let it go and live in the present mm-hmm. moment. So what happens is, when we do that, we, we get utterly exhausted because when we come, we drive home or we come home or we listen to the news for two or three hours and we hear all this negativity. It just exhausts us. It does. It's good to be informed. You can be informed by an app on your phone in three minutes a day to keep up with what's happening in the world. But we may spend hours and then we get involved with conversations and like this news row going on in our brain all day long. When we let that go and we say, I'm just going to, I love this question. I like to say, is there anything I can do about it right now? And if the answer is no, then let it go and live. And mostly, the answer is going to be no. So we, when we get, when we, most people, when they get that cancer scare, when they, whatever it may be, they are petrified until the whole thing is resolved. You know, and that's, that, right. means, that would have been, a, that would have been a year for me of suffering. There, I can guarantee you there wasn't suffering during that year. I wasn't worried about it at all. I just did the steps I needed to do to figure out what was going on. And I'm, uh, you know, and that was years ago, obviously, I'm fine. <laughs> you know, so the point being is, right. you know, we're going to get those scares throughout life. And sometimes they're going to be real. But we don't have to be afraid if we say, is there anything I can do about it right now? If the answer is no, then live. Live. Be and present enjoy. with what is. Get out of your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I have to, this is really something that you made me think of. Some years ago, and it had to be between 1991 and 1997, um, I'm sorry, no, between 2006 and 2012 um, is when this had to happen. Because I was on my sorority's national council. I was an international vice president, and I oversaw half of our alumni chapters from our sorority across the U.S. and Canada. So it's a volunteer position, but it takes a lot, a lot of work. Well, at the time, if you recall it, Virginia Tech had the shootings of all oh, the yeah. students at Virginia Tech. And we have, a sor- we have a collegiate chapter there. So our national council, immediately we have a process we go through when a tragedy happens on a campus where we have a chapter. And I, um, you know, I was involved in, in making sure you know, what was happening with our chapter members, uh, what was going on, et cetera. And so I started researching the, who did this, the guy, the kid, you know, who did this. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I don't know why, Dr. Puff, but I could not get off of it. And I don't, you know, obsess. Every, every once in a while I get latched onto something, and it's often very positive, um, but there's also a few things I'm just interested in the story. Well, mm-hmm. I was I was on it and on it and reading and reading and reading about his background and what was going on and involved so deeply that I have to tell you, I went to what I call a dark place. And I don't mean, and I'm telling you, I've lost my mom when I was 33 years old. We were very close. Um, I lost my dad four years ago. But, I mean, I've had tragedy and loss. I have never felt or been to this dark place before. And I was there and I had the wherewithal to know, oh my God, I'm I, I, I'm going into this kid's world so much that I felt darkness. I shut the computer off. I walked away never to be involved, you know, in reading about anything about him or the case again. And I was fine in probably a day. But 
it's so interesting when you talk about negativity, when we talk about, imagine if you're diagnosed with cancer, as you would, you know, how you could go to that kind of place because you start researching and God knows, you know, you look at the internet and it can scare the living daylights out of you and you can go to these kinds of places and it was unnecessary. Look for you. It was unnecessary. It was unnecessary for you. It was unnecessary for me to go at it a completely different way. And that scared the daylights out of me. I can see how people can go there. Yeah, what we have to realize is I, I like to keep things very simple. And you have to see it as it's, it's very simple. It's like, we, we, as we know, we are what we eat. So, again, if we eat, you know, French fries and, you know, real rich food and candy, you know, our bodies are going to reflect that. But if we eat healthy, our bodies are going to reflect that. It's the same way with our mind. It's very simple. Whatever comes in is going to impact us. We are... Not neutral beings, we're affected by everything. So what people, what I've discovered, you know, meeting the healthiest people I can meet in the universe in the world, is that they, their lives are beautiful. I and mean, they surround themselves, not that they're, not that they have a lot, it's just that they surround themselves with simplicity. They surround themselves, they don't, they, they, they surround themselves with very little, if any, negativity. And even if they are dealing with it, they're in control of it. So there's a sense of, they're very careful what comes in. And they're, they're very, um, they, they, they really, like I call it steeping. They steep themselves in goodness. And whatever we steep ourselves in, it's like food. Whatever we eat, we're going to be impacted by it. So if we start eating, metaphorically, positive thoughts, loving thoughts, kind thoughts, thoughts of nature, you know, being present, realizing that there is change, and that's okay, it's learning to accept what I end my podcast every time when I end it. I've had 155 episodes. I say, learn to accept what is and learn to love what is. When we learn to love what is, even when it's tough, that's what's going to come out of us. So given that we are uh, we're often somewhat like computers, whatever we type in all day, that's what's going to come out. So we have to ask ourselves, what is being typed in? Am I coming home and watching you know, you know, shows that are very critical? And, and are I'm being, am I being involved in conversations that are, are dark? Am I, am I um, you know, thinking about things, I'm worried that are just causing me you know, a lot of anxiety? All those things will contribute to a harder life. If we begin to change those, like changing our eating habits, we begin to change our mental habits and the way we interact with the world, we're going to get a very different response. And that's where, you know, obviously you and I are teaching people, what do we bring in that creates good things in our life versus pushing out what creates negative things? But it's really simple. It's just conditioning. Change the conditioning and you'll change your life. And you know what's so strange about it? When, when something changes, I've found this for myself. I don't know how how this really is on a worldwide level. But I find when things do change, I bet you 99, maybe a little less, 90 to 100% of the time, 90 to 99% of the time, I look back at what changed that I didn't want to change. And I Mm -hmm. often say to myself, oh, that was kind of better than I thought it would be. Or if that didn't happen, I would never have this. It's like if you, I don't know if that's the nature of people or that's more like me, but it's shocking how even as a kid, I realized how many times I fought it. And when it happened, something better or different that was kind of cool came out of it anyway. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's obviously why you are um, doing what you're doing. What happens is the people that do better in life, they're very resilient. They're very malleable, which means in both situations, that means they can adjust to things. So think about this example. You know, when there's a car wreck and, you know, the alcoholic, you know, as we often know in a car wreck, 
you know, comes out of it well where everyone else is injured because everyone else got tight when the wreck happened, but he or she was very relaxed. And obviously, my courage to drink when we drive. But the point being is that relaxation makes it so we don't get injured. Another example of that here in the United States, I don't know, I don't know if any, you know, Super Bowl's coming. I don't know when the podcast come up, but the Super Bowl's on its way. Well, there was a professional athlete. There's been many of them, but a pretty famous one. It's called Jerry Rice. He was a receiver for the uh, 49ers. And he, um, he, he just didn't get injured. I don't know if you know that much about his history. He just never had injuries. So we interview guys like him or women like him. Like, how do you avoid injuries? And the answer is always the same. You know, when he got, he would be running full force, jumping into the air, catching the ball. He relaxed. And so when he got hit, he just started going to relax. So it's that relaxation with life that causes us not to suffer. When we're tight, this can't be happening. I cannot lose my job. I, you know, all the stories that we create, that creates suffering. But if you say, huh, I truly believe I can adjust to anything. And we have, we, we're, very, we're very malleable. We're very adjustable. We realize that we can, and we loosen that through the negative visualization by saying, I really can't adjust anything. Then we lose that fear, and we lose that fear. Then when things do come, we make good choices instead of impulsive, bad choices. So here's an example I like to use. Imagine you're your parent, and you're raising a teenager, and your teenage say, daughter is supposed to be on at 10. And now it's 2.30 in the morning, and they're not home, and their phone is off. So we all know, I mean, we have to talk with them when they get home and find out what happened, but we're going to have a way better conversation if we're calm, if we're, if we're in a quiet place, and if we're going to scream at them the second they come up to our door. It's much easier not to scream at them if all those fears don't begin. Maybe they're dead, maybe they're injured, maybe something horrible happened to them. Instead of saying, I don't know what happened to them. You know, they'll be home, and when they get home, we will discuss it. It's not that this is easy to do. The path of happiness isn't easy, but when we relax, we create that sense of relaxation, that sense of peace, and we can flow with life instead of fighting life. Life goes so much better. When we fight life, uh, the example of you know, our daughter coming home late night, when we, when we were antagonistic, that creates pain, that creates suffering. And if we don't want to suffer, then we have to relinquish our control of life, our desire to say, I have to be in control, and things have to go this way. That causes us to suffer. When we relax, say, I would definitely, I mean, it's, what we cultivate is what I call preferences. If we cultivate preferences, I would prefer my daughter to call at 10 o'clock at night, if she's running behind, and let me know that what happened. You know, maybe she fell asleep. But I would prefer that if she didn't, because I'm going to adjust to that. Okay? Now, two thirty, she's walking the door. I'm going to find out what happened. But if we say, she has to do this, this has to happen, then we suffer. Another analogy I like to use is like going to a restaurant. And you go to the restaurant, and let's say they're special, that you love their salmon. But for whatever reason, it's such a popular dish, they run out of salmon. Now, typically, what we'll do, as, metaphorically, as a way of suffering, would be, I wanted salmon. You don't have salmon. I am so upset. This is horrible. I'm going to leave, or you get really mad. Or the other option you could do, again, that sense of you know flowing with life, you can say, huh, well, what do you have instead? And they'll say, well, we have a really good trout. We have a really good um, steak. I'll take that. That's my second choice. And so it's that sense of, oh, I expected at 45 to be married, and I don't have, I'm not married. I expected at you know, 52 to own my home by now, and I'm living in an apartment. I expect that, you know, fill in the blank. And life didn't go the way you expected. Guess what? It doesn't go the way you expected for almost anybody. But that's okay. We are very good at adjusting the things. I mean, for thousands of years, people have lived with almost nothing compared to the wealth we have. In the United States, if you travel anywhere, anywhere in the world, most places have far less than we do. 
And yet we can do studies on them, we can ask them questions, and they're, they're not remotely less unhappy than we are. And yet we also know people that have absolutely nothing. They're some of the most peaceful, tranquil people on the planet. How do we do that? They do that because they're not attached. They're flowing with life. And they say, if you give me, put me in a palace, or you put me in a little shack, it doesn't matter. I can make that work. And by doing that, by living that way well, then with time, what will happen is life flows. Life becomes a beautiful adventure instead of a fearful um, um, tragedy. Wow, that is, that is a wonderful message for people. I hope that our listeners can hear that message. And then loosen up, <laughs> loosen up a little bit, loosen up what you want in terms of, because sometimes we think we want something so much, and, it, and how do we really know until we do it? So what if along the path something else comes along and you don't try it and it really was the best thing? So we got to really, I think, open our minds. We have to not be so stuck to the exact plan. And I'll tell you, I really, really wanted to go live by the ocean. That was my dream. And as I started to talk to my husband about it, um, I realized that, wait a minute, maybe, maybe, I, maybe I still want to do that, but maybe I don't want to do it full time. Maybe I want to be open enough to say um, we can go do that um, a timeshare. Maybe we can do it for a few months of the year. Maybe, and the other thing, Dr. Puff, I started doing is because I have such a, a um, I'm really in harmony when I'm with, with water. Um, in any way, shape, or form. So, you know, it's, you know, it's kind of funny, but I went out and bought a, um, one of those things, like a little waterfall, because I have like a small porch on the back of my condo that I call the bistro. Mm -hmm. And I, mm -hmm. and I put in this waterfall little thing, you know, you just plug it in to hear it. And also my um, husband's mom uh, is, in a, so, and is in a house association that has two pools. And I'm like, mm -hmm. well, I go every day because I live in Cleveland, so you know I'm only going for about three months of the year. But <laughs> I am, that's it. So, you know, I'm in that water all the time. I'm going on a cruise next week. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be in the most beautiful Caribbean water, which is my dream. Mm -hmm. So I continue to say no matter what happens in life, I'm not going to wait until I can get to that water, whether it's three months a year, all year, some of the year, whatever, I need to have that water in my life however I can. We have beautiful lakes around here. Mm. We have swimming pools. You know, I, I am being conscious about putting myself in water, water worlds, however it looks. Because who knows what's going to happen later. But I am loosening up on that. And believe me, I was not loose on that dream. But I'm starting to loosen it a bit. And mm -hmm. I even said to my husband, maybe we'll move near where all your relatives are in wine country, and maybe we'll all go on more vacations more. And because who knows what's going to happen? And that right. I'm trying to live, practice what I preach. And if I'm telling people to be open to whatever's coming into your consciousness, um, you're bringing it in. So make sure you're planting the right seeds to bring in you know, what you want to bring in. But sometimes things come up in life that you're supposed to take those paths and go to them. Don't be so linear that you're flying down this path without seeing what's really in front of you and might be wonderful. Maybe it is wine country for me. Maybe it's water in a different way. It's just like anything in life, good, bad, or ugly. If you're so strict with those dreams, then you're not allowing in what might be a beautiful option for you that you don't even know you want yet. Yeah, and I think the other thing, too, is just the fact that, okay, 
Absolutely, because I work with um, what I do. I'm a corporate trainer. So I, I work with companies to make them do better. I focus on the happiness part, but that's what I do. It's like, it's like life doesn't go the way we expect. And so when you kind of cultivate these skills, you say, okay, hmm, I want to do like a year example. I want to live by the water, but today I'm not. I'll work towards that. I'll set up goals. I'll have plans. We will, um, you know, put money aside so we can go on, say, you know, on vacations. Maybe we'll be able to buy someday or rent. All these things are in place. But when you've done that and you're still at this moment, not in the water or not in the ocean or not anywhere by there, you say, okay, then what is before me right now? Oh, I'm having a conversation with a friend of mine. Oh, I'm driving to work. Oh, I'm brushing my teeth. You become very present with what is. And when you're present with what is and you lose all that, I wish, I want, I wish, all these desires and fears, then you become free. So in a sense, it's very much about, like I like said, Eckhart Tolle says, it's living in the present moment. Will we live in the present moment through loosening the attachments that things have to be a certain way? Nothing wrong with working towards making them better. But when you can't do anything about it right now, then mostly you live. And most of the time, our goals we can't do much about. So instead of dreaming our fears, if we're fearful like the cancer scare I gave of mine, unless right now you can do something about it, let it go and say, well, what is this for me? What is my choice of food to eat right now, metaphorically? It may be having a conversation with my son. It may be um, listening to you know your podcast on the way to work. It may be um, just going outside and feeling the wind blowing my face. It's like once we start cultivating that, again, that creates a life so that even when we're on death door, maybe we're in the hospital. I've had this. I've had so many people share the story with me because I love, you know, engaging with people at all levels of life. They'll tell me that the last six months they're in the hospital dying with the best they ever lived their entire life. And you think, how is that possible? Because they lived finally. They stopped waiting until someday they're going to live. They live now. But why not assume that every moment can be like that? And when we do that, like I said. And those strung together, those living in the present moment, well, with having goals, but mostly living in the present moment and being present with what is, that creates a beautiful life. Oh, so very well said. And, you know, when you do those things moment by moment and you're in that headspace, it seems like more good things come. But you, you, you don't know what they are because... You don't plan them, but they just mm-hmm. keep showing up, even when you are very sick. I mean, it, it, we know the mind, body, soul, the connection. We know about all that. And when you're mm-hmm. in that headspace, it sure does help your health. And when you're healthy, it sure does help your headspace. So so right. I, I can envision, you know, even for people who do, because like you said, we're eventually all going to pass away. You end up perhaps feeling um better than you would have while you're here or or opportunities are happening just because you're in that headspace of now and and looking at the beauty of what's around you you know same thing if i'm um you know what this might seem crazy but i'll spend when i come home in the evening that i do love to watch um shows around like beach hunters and i feel so happy for those people who get to like retire or they find the money to go live on the beach. And I enjoy watching them find their home. I'm not jealous of it. I just, 
it keeps me in that headspace of, oh, I'm, it's zero degrees right now. Okay. Well, it's about 15 in Cleveland right now. We've had a very long streak of bad weather. But when I watch that, it just, it makes me feel good that, hey, spring is going to come. The bistro in my backyard is going to be open again. The waterfall is going to be flowing. I'll be swimming. And it kind of keeps me going. But I find winter activities I love to do too. See, and that's the part about, like you said, enjoying life each day. So I think we're giving our listeners lots of really good information and examples on how to do it. And I will tell you, I really am thankful and grateful for you bringing this uh, out to our listeners. I think anything you want in life can happen if you just have yourself in the right headspace. You don't have to say, I am getting that house on the beach. I am getting that great life partner. I am, I am. You have to just be open to whatever is supposed to come to you and be happy no matter what. And I think that's a great way for us to sort of end this conversation. And we have, you know, a few minutes left. I really want people to know more about how they find you, how they find your podcast, how they can connect with you. Let's spend a couple minutes ending the show on how they can do that, Dr. Puff. All right, great. I'd love to. So the easiest way, my name is, as you can tell, is very easy to remember, like Puff Daddy or Puff the Magic Dragon. So if you just go on the Internet and Google doctor, you don't, even you don't have to put my first name. My first name is Robert, Dr. Robert Puff. Um, all my links are there. And uh, my happiness podcast, because if you're driving, maybe harder to remember, it's happinesspodcast.org. That's where I go. That, you can get my newsletter. If you sign my newsletter, you get a free book of mine on meditation. But, um, but that's to keep up with me. And then what I do... So I, I've written 13 books. I'm on my 14th one. I create. I have 150 some episodes on my podcast. I create a new one every week. Um, I write for Psychology Today. I, I do these interviews quite often. I really I've done three this week. Um, so, anyways, so I'm regularly doing things. There's a lot you can do to keep up with me. As far as what I do professionally, I make my living is I I go out to um, corporations and I teach them these skills that in the corporate world. So what these skills work everywhere, how they work so well in the corporate world, negativity in the corporate world has lots of consequences to it. I mean, lawsuits are incredibly expensive. Um, employee turnovers incredibly expensive. And even um, people getting sick um, is incredibly expensive. Um, I use my own example. And when you kind of cultivate this sense of being finding equanimity no matter what, you actually, your life begins to change. So I can guarantee you this is going to change. But it's kind of unique. For me, in 30 years, I've missed one day of work because of illness. That's a pretty amazing record because I've, I've, um, I've really kept the balance. The balance is the key. So I think what happens is it, it isn't that you're needing to have, I'm, I expect someday to have horrible health, you know, I may because I'm going to get older. We're going to die of something. But that's okay because and since I'm not fighting it and I realize it can happen because of the negative visualization, what happens is even though you think, well, you think about, you think about that and, um, you're, you know, you're doing all this, then what happens is, because you're more relaxed and not trying to create things, things just flow so much better. And whatever way they flow, it doesn't even matter. But the consequence of it is, kind of like think of Jerry Rice again, when you relax, you really avoid the injury, the emotional injuries of life. So that's what I teach, how to avoid those conflicts. Like with companies, I say, you know, lawsuits take a long time. And a lot of times people sue you because they're just mad, <laughs> they're angry. If you're nice, if you're polite, if you're kind, with the employees, with your customers, guess what? They probably aren't going to sue you. It's when you fight people. The lawyers, lawyers will tell them, we've got to fight this. We can't take any responsibility or any ownership. It pisses people off. <laughs> so they sue them. I teach them, no, you right. be kind. Be gentle. You know, um, be apologetic. Be, 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 you know, be kind. And that kindness, I really teach a lot about kindness. Kindness creates 
in our world a lot of good things. So I do a lot. Most of my things I create are free. They're very inexpensive. So um, I, you know, just learn about them, and um, and if you um, you know, and if you find them helpful, I'd be that would be very pleasing to me. <laughs> so. Well, we're so glad to have you on the show, Dr. Puff, and make sure you all go over to happinesspodcast.org and check out all the podcasts I have, and there's so many uh, very interesting topics around happiness. Anything that you'd ever want to see uh, is over there. So you should go check it out, and obviously, if you're listening from a business or corporation standpoint, you, I'm sure, Dr. Puff, they can find you through that website as well, correct, if they want to bring you in to the business? Well, wonderful. Well, Dr. Robert Puff, thank you so much for um, providing us your experience and, and giving us some teachable moments and, and uh, really getting to the heart of what we really need to do to feel happier. So, Dr. Robert Puff, thanks for being on the Happiness Hangout. Thank you, Laurie. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Want to get more happiness in your life and your loving relationship? Go to happinesshangout.net. There you can get the first chapter of my book, information on gratitude, and lots of free resources. Check out my blog. If you're interested in my book, Getting Married at Last, My Journey from Hopelessness to Happiness, it talks about finding hope for no matter what's going on in your life. Finding that loving partner can take place anytime, but you have to be ready for it. Find out how I got ready for it and things you can do to keep your loving partnership going. In Getting Married at Last, My Journey from Hopelessness to Happiness, Kindle and paperback, Amazon.com. You can find all this information at happinesshangout.net. This is Lori Peters, and we'll see you next time. Hi, this is your host, Lori. Want to get more happiness? Check out all the free readings, activities, and my blog at my website. Want to learn how to deal with life's challenges from your positive core? Check out Empowering Yourself to Happiness class, done totally online. You can find it all at www.happinesshangout.net. www.happinesshangout.net. Come explore and feel better wherever you are. This is Lori Peters with the Happiness Hangout. I provide presentations on happiness and well-being to businesses, schools, and anyone involved in wellness and professional days. Check out tons of free resources and activities also at my website, www.happinesshangout.net. Feel better wherever you are. Help us grow the Happiness Hangout Show. Become a sponsor. Businesses and nonprofits, get your info out there to thousands of my listeners all over the world for just pennies. Individuals can also sponsor one or more shows, and you get a shout-out to your favorite charity. Several packages available. Come see what you get and put out there what's important to you. 
Go to www.happinesshangout.net, www.happinesshangout.net for more information.